Hey guys, this is Amber reaching your potential. I'm very excited because last week we had, we just started our Black History series. And last week we had a new grad kind of discussing her insight on what OT is about and her research. And this week we have a OT of 10 plus years with experience. So I'm very excited to bring her on. So let's get started. So on Reaching Your Potential, we have Dr. Rakia Kitchens, who is an OT with 10 plus experience. And I'm so excited for her to be here and just talk about her journey as an OT and to even give some of new OTs like myself some advice on how we can be great OTs in this profession. So welcome, Dr. Ikea. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, how are you doing? I am doing great today. How are you? Yeah. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Rakia, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Maybe like what school you went to, and how do you learn about OT? Okay. Um, well, I'm Rakia Kitchens. I am originally from Mississippi. So, during my undergraduate studies at Jackson State University, um, I was a part of a the Pre Health Society, which okay, is okay. an extracurricular club, a pre-health society that really kind of gave exposure to the different types of healthcare professionals. And so one of those experiences, we would go to the local hospital. I was able to shadow um, an occupational therapist that was working in acute care and an occupational therapist that was working in inpatient pediatric rehabilitation. And of all of the healthcare professions that I observed, um, I really became excited about seeing what the occupational therapist was able to do um, with clients, the rapport that they were able to develop, the creativeness that they used to be able to reach clients and able to see the progression of those clients as a result of the work the occupational therapist was doing. So that is how... Um, for me, that led me into the OT profession. That was my first exposure, and that's what got me interested into the profession. So I ended up doing my OT training. I have my master's in occupational therapy from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And then after that, um, I decided I wanted to further my education and potentially go into academia. And so I have my PhD from Texas Women's University. Nice. That's awesome. I love how you were able to shadow OTs before even deciding that you wanted to do OT. For me, I kind of did a weird way of learning about OT. Um, I learned about OT during my sophomore year of college, and it was just researching different health professions because I wanted to be a part of the health field, but I didn't know exactly what. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody knows about PT, but 
there was a little snippet like occupational therapy. And I'm like, what is that? I never heard of that profession ever. And as you said, just the difference of the creativity and gaining that rapport, using our therapeutic use of self is so fascinating. And I love gaining that rapport with patients and making sure that they trust me with making sure they can meet their goals. It's just an exciting thing. I think we have the benefit as occupational therapists, we have a different type of relationship with our clients. Yeah. Um, we're able to see them for longer periods of time. We're able to see them for longer durations. So we see them for multiple visits. So you can see where they start. Um, and depending on where we're working, with the client, you know, we may be able to see them across several days or several weeks, um, even several months, in my case, where I was working in, in outpatient therapy. And so you can really see their progression with where they start um, and where they may, you know, end up with you, depending on where you're working. And so that part is really exciting. Yeah, it really is. How long were you working in an outpatient setting? Um, I've worked in pretty much all adult settings. Right. And so I worked in, in uh, one of those happened to be an outpatient setting. And I did that for about seven years. Wow. Oh, Which one was your favorite? Each one has their, their benefits and their drawbacks. Gotcha. So um, the pace is different in your acute care settings. Um, you know, if I had to go, I don't know if I would have a favorite, the learning, the amount that you learn is amazing in an inpatient rehab because you have that amount of time with the client. Um, yes. There's such a high intensity of OT that's given in those types of settings. Um, the skilled nursing facilities, I love the patient population there. Um, I find that older adults are, have so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Um, most of them are, you know, willing and eager and looking forward to working with us. There have been so many different things that I've learned um, yeah. working with the older adults. Um, and then outpatient has a different pace where a lot of it for me working in an outpatient setting was really kind of client-led. So the clients mm -hmm. had kind of been through the other stages of mm -hmm. therapy. And so maybe they were already, you know, at a certain point of functioning, but there were these, you know, two or three things that they wanted to be able to fine-tune to help them, you know, maximize their potential, you know, in the community or in their home. And so it it challenged me in a way to um step up my skill because there were those two or three things that maybe they would want to learn in terms of fine tuning that I, you know, I would have to learn about. And so I really, you know, each one I've, I've enjoyed each of those settings. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I want to kind of side back on the inpatient rehab facilities or like that setting, because that was my favorite setting to mm -hmm. even work in. Well, I didn't work in it, Paid wise, I did my field work there, but I felt that it was so great because, as you mentioned, for the amount of time you're working with that patient and it's like intense OT, you get to see a drastic change 
in that patient because mm-hmm. you're working with them for such a long period of time. And I love working with the geriatric population. I, that's my biggest passion. And I feel that a lot of people don't want to work with the older adults. And I don't know why. <laughs> I have most of the stories that I share with my students right now come from my work with the geriatric population. Um, they are amazing. Um, again, like I said, I've learned so much from them. Mm-hmm. I usually, you know, I think I may find more benefit working with them than they do working for me. <laughs> because in that therapeutic process, there's so much information sharing. They're telling me about themselves and their lives. And, you know, I learn different ways on how to do things. I may learn, you know, different ways to prepare recipes. I've done that before. Um, different ways to complete certain ADL activities. So there's just, there's, there's, there's a freedom that I found in my older adult population in their being that I really enjoy being in the presence of. Yeah, we're constantly learning from them. Mm -hmm. I just love that because for, I don't really hear a lot of people talking about older adults or working with the older adult population. A lot it's been pediatric, like I wanna work with kids. And of course, working with kids is amazing, but also knowing that our population is getting older. Um, People are living longer and they need that care. And unfortunately, I know some people, they already made the decision for their parents or whoever to just put them in a nursing home. Or a lot of these older adults don't want that. They want to live in place. They want an Asian place. And um, I grew up with my great-grandparents who lived to be 93 and 98 years old. And Mm -hmm. they stayed in their home. And my grandma was the primary caregiver. And they may have had like one home health aide come in every now and again. But them able to live home and do their ADLs and have a high quality of life is just something that I know like some young people don't really think about but I think about it in a way that I hope that I live to live that long but also to have a high quality of life versus trying to kind of struggling on a day-to-day basis to do you know daily occupations exactly and I think because you've had that experience like the personal experience that you appreciate and value you know, maybe that population a little bit more. Um, In actuality, as I mentioned before, my observation was in pediatrics. And so when Mm. I answered the question, I thought that I wanted to do pediatrics. Um, And once I got into school and started learning about all of these other areas where OTs can work, I really became interested in the adult population, in clients that have experienced stroke. Um, and so, you know, working with older adults is a part of that. I would encourage any, you know, aspiring OT or student really to keep an open mind because you never know, um, where you might end up or where you might find your place as a therapist to be, you know, in a role that's rewarding and filling, um, and given to your point where you're talking about the importance of aging in place, I think that is not just 
I think that's something that's going to continue. That demand is going to going to continue to be there. So where we're talking now, where you know skilled nursing facilities may be the same, you know, we may see that shift in the next 10 to 15 years where there is an increased effort and and attention paid to how do we keep you know our older adults safe in their homes. And there I think there is more attention maybe being paid to that than others, depending on what area you live in. Um, but I don't think that's a conversation that's going to go away. And as we become older um, in society, you're definitely going to need people to care, to provide care for that population. Yes, for sure. Uh, right now, um, the setting that I'm working in is home health. So I'm going into patients' homes and just seeing their environment and working with them in their natural environment, which is amazing. So kind of what we miss in initial, re well, not initial, but in an inpatient rehab, we do a lot of clinical or simulations, like, okay, let's say this was your bathroom. Whereas now, like in home health, I'm able to actually work with them in their actual bathroom and work on those toileting skills, the bathing skills, transfers, things of that nature, which I do love. Um, I think is that's like a, I wasn't even expecting to start my OT journey in home health. Um, I thought I was going to do okay. school based because I thought I was going to start maybe in a pediatric setting, even though I love adults. But have you worked in a home health setting? I haven't as, as an occupational therapist. There was some home health that was involved with my level two field work many, many years ago. Um, but as an adult, I haven't worked in any home health setting. Okay, I was curious because you worked in the outpatient, but I know like outpatient and home health are probably like a little bit different. So um, you mentioned that you're now in academia. What made you go that route? So I think it was something that was always in the back of my mind that I at some point wanted to do. I just wasn't sure how to go about doing that. And so I started working once I was out as a therapist and working. My first job was in an inpatient rehab setting. And um, I started at that time kind of trying to map out what that next step might look like. And during that time, there was a post-professional um, OT doctorate that was available, but it was still relatively new. Um, and then there was a a PhD that was offered that at the time, there were very few NOT that were available. And so I started working on my PhD during that time. And I guess the nudge to move into academia came from the students where I was serving as their clinical instructor. So in my settings, I would have several students that will come in to do their level one, or do their level two field works. And, you know, we're going through treatment plans and learning about the clients. And some of them would say, have you ever thought about teaching? <laughs> I thought about it. Um, so I think it was really the encouragement of the students that I would have come in, my field work students, that would mention it to me. Um, and I was already, you know, working on my PhD. And so, 
it worked out that um, at that time, right when I completed my PhD, there was an opportunity, a faculty position that was available um, and I applied for it and I was accepted. And so I think it was something that had been in the works. I had been working to in bits and pieces along the way. Um, and with the nudge and encouragement of my students and you know preparation meeting opportunity, it worked out for me. That's amazing. And I think that's so big too for students to have faculty members or even professors that are in the field of occupational therapy. But as a black student, I went to a school that was predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And majority of my professors were white. Mm -hmm. I had one person of color that was a faculty member. And it really makes a big difference on your experience in an OT profession or just the program within itself. Because OT, we are serving a diverse population. We're serving everyone and i think it's really nice to at least have one person of color teaching you know <laughs> in the profession i think it's just so important and i love how your students were able to encourage you and let you know like hey i think you should do this because it makes you a huge role model for them like hey she can do it She's an OT, she's teaching occupational therapy. I can I can do this because it does get challenging at times. Right. And I think um, you know, that point is important where there has been a lot more conversations recently about the importance of having representation in these spaces. Um, yeah. I was the only black female in my OT class during OT school. Um, and I remember, you know, I had a wonderful experience, but I remember that there were, you know, one or two times occasions where there were things that were said that were said with, you know, good intention, well-meaning, um, mm -hmm. but that kind of targeted, you know, me in the classroom and I felt it. Um, and so my comfort level with kind of being in this field where, you may not see a lot of people that look like yourself being represented, right? In all of these different positions in the classroom, et cetera. So my first AOTA conference, um, I discovered the National Black OT Caucus. And the caucus really helped me um, to feel comfortable and confident being in that space, even if I am one of the only. Um, yeah. of support and I was paired with a mentor um, and you could see this room full of you know black OTs at all stages in their career you know students professionals you know academicians um, it was really a beautiful thing to see so even if I am you know moving in spaces where there there may not be a lot of people that look like me. I'm comforted in knowing that I'm not the only one. Exactly. And I, literally the last thing you just said, I'm not the only one. I feel like that's so important to keep that in mind and being around, you know, 
the Black Caucus is a is a beautiful thing. I went to AOTA conference for the first time like in 2017, and mm -hmm. I was able to present some research that some of my peers and I did together, and it was actually on increasing diversity in the profession. And so many OTs who were representing Black race students, professions, professors, or professionals, they were like, oh my goodness, this is so big, this, this is great. Somebody needs to see this because it's true, we need to increase diversity. And it was just nice to have those discussions with people that looked like me, even though I didn't see it in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And it, as you said, it gave you that encouragement that like, wow, I can do this and I'm not the only one <laughs> like in here by myself. So I, I think that was really great to mention. Are you familiar with the National Black OT Caucus? Yes, I am. I actually, um, I'm in New York, so I'm pretty involved in the New York um, chapter. Right. Yeah, and it's definitely helpful. They always have a, an annual scholarship where they will give to one or two students um, each year. You'll, you know, do an application, all that stuff. So my senior year, I believe it was either my senior or my grad year, um, I applied and I got it. So I was like very excited that I was like able to, um, you know, use that towards my my academic years for my OT program. Mm -hmm. It's been a great resource. Yes. So I would encourage others that maybe are not involved or maybe not feel connected or don't see that representation to definitely check out the National Black OT Caucus. Yes, for sure. And it's great opportunities for mentorship too. I met my mentor um, during one of the times I went to their Kwanzaa um, banquet and I was able to connect with her and I'm always in contact with her, just asking her about different things or just talking about life, but just knowing that she's there to support me during this new phase of my life as a new OT is great because we do need that support. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, if there was one thing you knew before coming into OT, what would that be? I know you have so many years of experience and I'm sure there was at least one thing. I wish I would have known about the profession earlier. Mm -hmm. I wish that more people knew about the profession and what this profession has to offer in terms of a career, in terms of the wonderful services that we are able to provide to clients. I tell people all the time that I think our best, advocate, best advocates are the people that have benefited from our knowledge and skill um, because they understand the importance of being able to, you know, care for yourself with, with without help or needing, um, being able to perform tasks, you know, during your day that help to improve your quality of life, um, that help to maintain your dignity, that help you maintain your, your level of um, self-worth and just participate in life in all of those aspects. Um, I wish I would have known those things earlier. And 
because I think as a profession, there is a world of opportunity. I think the benefit that we have is that we're not really in a box. You know, there's some other professions, they do this much. And if it's outside of that box, there's not really anything else they can do outside of that unless they change professions. Occupational therapy isn't like that. There's such a breadth of areas where we can be a service. And I think it's amazing. So if, you know, the setting is something that doesn't quite suit your fancy. There's another setting where there's a need. If a population doesn't suit your fancy, there's another population that can be of need. Um, if this state doesn't suit your fancy, there's another state, you know, that can suit your need. I think there's just this world of opportunity, um, not just in practice, but in, you know, advocacy, in education, in um policy and entrepreneurship, there are all of these things that this profession allows us the opportunity to be able to do that I don't think people really know. And so those are things I wish I would have known earlier um, because I didn't know them. I am trying to do my part to help spread that message and share it with others. Um, whether it be consumers, potential consumers, family members, friends, um, aspiring OT professionals, or aspiring healthcare professionals that don't know what area they may want to go into. Hey, have you heard about OT? Let me tell you about it. So um, I know that was a long answer, but those, those, that would be a few things that I wish I would have known. I totally agree. Even though I'm new in the profession, I wish I knew it before I went to college. I wish there was an opportunity in high school or before high school that would kind of give you all of the options of the health profession and not just the generic doctor, nurse, surgeon. You know, I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be a pediatrician. And I was like, oh, that's in the health field, that's cool. But I wish I knew, as you said, I wish I knew about the existence of this profession because if I knew, I would have applied to all OT schools, as many as I could. And as you said, you're educating other people, friends, family, just anybody that you come in contact with that may be interested in a health profession. And it's like, oh, I wanna do nursing okay, that's cool, but have you heard about occupational therapy? Most of people's answers will be no. <laughs> Everybody's probably like, I never heard of that. What is that? And then that's our opportunity to educate them on it. I remember in um, a few years back, now school is remote and everything like that, but my mom works at a school in Harlem. And sometimes I would come during my school breaks and just hang around and you know just be with her. And I remember that she asked me like, hey, I want you to make a presentation on occupational therapy to educate these kids because some of them wanna be in the health field, but I'm sure they don't know anything about OT. And I did, and it really sparked their brain. They're like, oh my gosh, this is such a great profession. And once other teachers heard that I was doing that, they're like, hey, can you come to my class? 
and talk about OT. And that's literally how you get the ball rolling is just being open to educate others on what the profession is. And hopefully it helps people out and they apply too. I agree. And I think one of the things that, um, that, I've, that I've tried to do and encourage other people to do is to get involved exactly as you just said. So um, last year, you know, pre-COVID, um, I sat in quite a few career days. And so I'm the occupation, usually the lone occupational therapist on the panel. Um, so STEM career days, career days at, you know, middle schools or high schools. I spoke with a summer camp last year. Um, I even went to an elementary school. How do you explain occupational therapy to, you know, a bunch of elementary school students? Um, you know, I brought in, you know, the, the skeleton model of the hand and some therapy and kind of taught them about those things, their reacher, all of the, the, you know, adaptive equipment that we can use and explained it, of course, at a child's level. But that is where they need to know that exposure at early ages is so important with helping them to be aware of, okay, what do I need to be able to do in order to get in? What are my options? Um, and I think, you know, finding out in undergrad is great, um, but it may, it may set you behind. In my particular case, I didn't discover, you know, OT until my junior year of college. And so once I made the decision to do that, um, I realized that there were some classes that I was missing from my curriculum. So I had to stay in school for an additional year to take those courses, those prerequisite courses in order to apply to the OT program. Um, and so that might have, had I known about it earlier, you know, I could have positioned myself better so that I didn't have to spend an additional year um, in undergraduate. Of course it worked out. Um, but I think those things that early exposure, you know, middle school and high school is so important. Yes, I agree. And when I, I transferred into the OT program at my school during, I was entering sophomore year, like middle of sophomore year, I applied and got in, but I had to take a few classes during the summer to make up or to catch up to the cohort. And as you said, if I knew beforehand, I, I would have taken those classes or even applied into the OT program before I even applied to the school. So. so I'm hopeful. I think one of the things that I am hopeful about is that with you know social media being what it is, that the word about OT as a profession is able to get out to more people. Um, mm -hmm. earlier. And I think that would be very valuable to have. I agree. I think social media is the biggest thing now, especially with COVID. We're not able to see people face to face. So creating videos, even podcasts like this, <laughs> um, or to get the word out, I think is really great to do. If you have an opportunity to speak at a career day or um, a STEM event or a high school day or anything that allows you to share your career and your profession with others, please take advantage of those opportunities. It doesn't require a lot of time. Um, 
it gives it it shines a light in the area that's very much needed. OTS profession, our services are expected to grow um, and be needed, you know, over the next few years. And so we need more people in the profession. So don't miss those opportunities to to speak or share OT with you know anyone. Yes. You basically answered my question because that was going to be <laughs> the question. was like, do you have any advice for new OTs? So you basically answered that. <laughs> the advice that I would have um, would be to keep an open mind. I find that um, in my role as a faculty member that a lot of students have their minds made up about what it is they want to do. And, you know, I want to work in this particular area or I want to work with this particular population or I have to, you know, work in this particular geographic location. And while it's good to have a direction and have um, a desire to want to do these things, be open enough to exploring what other opportunities may be there because you don't know where that might lead. Um, if I think about my own journey, you know, had I stuck with my initial desire to do, you know, hospital-based pediatric OT, I never would have made it to where I am now. Some of the opportunities that I've had, um, professionally speaking, I would not have been able to do had I been dead set on that one particular idea. So I think, as I said earlier, that that the profession offers such a breadth of options with where you can go and how you can learn. And then the, the second piece that I would say is continue to learn. Yes, I have been in the profession for, um, I think now, maybe 12 years. Oh. And so, but I am still learning. I still have my books that I use. Um, as references to make sure that I am delivering the most up-to-date information to my students, that I'm providing the most up-to-date care. Um, and I think that is important with helping us stay not just competent, but competitive as a discipline when we think of our relationship with our other colleagues in healthcare. That's some great um, advice for sure. And the continuous learning, I think that's so important because in our generation, like my generation, we're like, oh, we learned everything in OT school, so that's it. <laughs> um, but as you said, it's it's really important to stay updated and stay competitive. I think that's a huge key there too, because we, as you said, we have a breadth of information that we can give, we can supply so much services, but what makes us better than one profession versus the other? And not like in a, prof not saying like we're better than nurses or we're better than doctors, but what is our distinct value? Right. What do we bring to the table to provide the best care for this one patient? And as long as we're able to project that and able to elaborate and show research or even show just the evidence that like, hey, OTs are trained in this specific area. 
whether it's mental health, whether it's working with patients with stroke or working with pediatrics, like what is our distinct value? And I think that's something to always keep in mind wherever you're working. And I think like I agree with you and I try to, um, when I'm speaking with my students, I give them this example that each discipline has a piece of the pie of the client's healthcare. Um, So it's not that one of us is better or more or less important, but each one of us brings something distinct to the table and each of those voices needs to be heard. So what is our voice? What is our role? What is our piece that we contribute to the overall health and well-being of the client? Um, And so with that being said, the, the, I guess the last piece that I would say as new graduates, when I was a new graduate, I felt like I received a lot of information in my OT program, but when I got out on my own license, there were all of these things that I still didn't know. Um, and so one of the responsibilities that we have as licensed OTs is we are required to take so many hours of continuing education. I would encourage anyone to take that opportunity to really learn about things that interest you. Don't select CEUs because they're quick and convenient or cheap, but they may not add any value to the skill that you need for the setting um, or add to your knowledge base, but really be intentional about selecting those courses that are going to help you um, advance your skill, advance your knowledge base, provide, you know, the best quality care that you can do. And so I've, I've spent quite a bit in, you know, advancing my skill and my knowledge in those areas. I was very intentional about the types of courses that I um, attended, that I paid for. Um, at that time, there weren't as many online CEU options. And while there's some benefit to that, OT is a hands-on field. We are hands-on. So there might be some um, online, you know, CEUs that can really, you know, meet that requirement, but you want to make sure that you're still keeping your manual skills um, or whatever skills that you need for your particular setting up to par. And it's worth the investment. (laughs) That's good to know. I hope soon I have to, I mean, I've been doing a few CEU CEU classes online, but as you said, we're so hands-on and I really do hope that, you know, probably in the next couple of months, I'll be able to attend a class where I can get hands-on because that's how I learn. That's how we learn in OT school when we have to practice transfers, whether doing learning different assessments and applying all this knowledge into something applicable, I think is so important. That's how we learn even better is using our hands. Exactly. And not just how we learn, but it's how we teach our clients. So if we're working with clients, you know, that may have dysfunction in their posture, we can tell them But once we are able to put our hands on them and facilitate them in certain ways, 
then they learn, okay, this is what you want. This is what is, you know, proper positioning or whatever it is you're working on. So it doesn't just benefit the therapist. It benefits our client. Yes, definitely. So I just have one last question for you. Okay. So with your 12 years of OT experience, what do you love about being not just an OT, but a Black OT? I like that by choice or by chance, we are very adaptable. Um, We have to be adaptable because we are working with such diverse populations, so different cultures, cultural expectations, cultural norms um, at the client level, at the provider level, at the colleague level, at the institutional level. Um, I like the fact that I know that even, you know, I've had great, wonderful colleagues through the years. Um, But there have been times where I've been in settings where I've had to do a little bit more in order to be considered um, of equal competence level to my peers. And I've risen to the challenge. And because I've risen to the challenge, it's opened the doors for others to be able to, it's reset the standard um, in some settings that I've worked in. I love that because there are so few of us, I think we're like less than 5% of the entire profession, um, that there really is this, this small, close, informative, supportive network that I've been able to find primarily within the, the Black OT Caucus um, because it's the one thing that I look forward to every year for AOTA is going to the caucus meeting and kind of seeing everyone that I haven't seen um, in so long. But there is this, this, there is this network there that exists that maybe some people are aware of and some people may not be um, that provides the support. So even if I am going, you know, if I'm working in places, um, again, as I said, where I, where I, you know, I may be the only or one of the few, I'm not by myself. And I think that for me is so empowering. So I, I love being an OT. I love the, the role that I'm in, the, the position um, that I'm in, the spaces that I take up um, <laughs> and the opportunities that I have. I'm grateful for each level and stage of it. What a great answer. I just love everything that you said, <laughs> just how we bring so much to the table that even the percentage of Black OTs is so small, but it's just impactful. You know, we have just a small community that is encouraging and supportive of each other. And we all want to work together and support one another in this profession because we know it's not that many of us. And I think that's the beauty of having Black OTs in our profession. So thank you so much for your advice, your story, just everything that you have brought to um, to our conversation. I really did enjoy everything that you said. You are welcome. I'm glad to be invited to be a guest. Of course, yes. Um, if you have 
any anything that you want to share such like social media handles or anything that the audience can find you so my twitter handle is at kitchens ot so at k-i-t-c-h-e-n-s-o-t that's my twitter handle um and then i have an instagram page that i just started so that instagram handle is b P-H-E-E-O-T Professor at the OT Professor. So if you have ideas about um, what type of content that you all would like to see on that page, feel free to let me know. Hey, definitely going to follow you. And I hope the audience follows too because Dr. Rikia has so much information and so much wisdom to provide to everyone, not just new OTs, but OT students, inspiring OTs, just the options are endless. So thank you again, Dr. Akia, for being here. I really did enjoy and appreciate you. So I know this is not going to be our last conversation. I'm definitely going to keep in contact with you for sure. (laughs) You're welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, not a problem. Guys, that's the end of this episode. This is your girl Amber reaching your potential. I will talk to you guys next week and talk to you guys soon.